Today's reading is from Acts 27, 21 through 26. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Wendy. Welcome to Grace Downtown. It's a big Sunday for us. It's our 10-year anniversary, and we're so glad that you're here with us. In just a moment, you're going to see a quick video from Steve Shepherdly, another one of our downtown staff pastors who has now moved down to Missouri. Uh, we're so glad you're here. After we hear from Steve, we are going to jump into the text uh, that Wendy just read for us and learn about a shipwreck. But first, a word from Steve. Hey, downtown church. Steve here. I want to celebrate uh, with you all today the 10th anniversary of Grace Community Church downtown. Praising God with you all, even though I can't be there in person, for all the things that he's done at Grace Community Church over these last 10 years. I'm actually here in Nashville. I'm at the Nashville Zoo. I'm on a senior missions trip. Uh, Every year our incoming seniors go on a missions trip. They do a lot of service together over the course of a week. Um, So we came down here to Nashville. We've been doing a lot of service projects. Today is our fun day to take a little break from serving. So I'm here, and as soon as I found out that our senior missions trip was going to conflict with the 10th anniversary service, my heart was just really heavy. We long to be there with you all. We wish we could be there to praise God together, to pray together, to hug you all, and just have a chance to connect. But uh, there was that conflict, and I had to be here. Uh, We're just so excited to be able to look back on 10 years at all the rich amazing and good things God has done by his grace uh, at Grace Community Church downtown. Mindy and I are so grateful that we had a chance to be a part of that uh, for seven years there at Grace Community Church downtown. And in many ways, while we love what we're doing here, we know we are called to be here and we see God at work here as we're serving the students at the school I teach. Our hearts are really in Iowa City and we love and we miss you all. Uh, As we live in a really challenging time, I want to encourage you all Continue to dig into the grace of God daily for you. Continue to soak in his grace daily for you, his provision, his guidance, his mercy for you. And then continue to uh, grow in knowing how to show that grace to others and to show that grace to the world. Um, As we look back on 10 years of what God has done in so many uh, rich and amazing ways that are really uh, just a sign of his glory and his goodness and his power at work in us, can look forward to the things that God will continue to do as you trust him as you lean into his grace for you. Love you all and miss you all, celebrating with you, and we look forward to seeing you when we have a chance to swing through Iowa City. Very glad Steve sent that along since he wasn't able to be here. As we take a look at this text in Acts 27, we are going to take a look um, at a few things in this text that will be applicable to us as we both look back at what God has done in the last 10 years, as we look at what he is doing now and what we hope him to do in the future. So this is where we're headed. As we look at our past, we're going to focus on Thanksgiving. As we look at our present circumstance, our dependence on the Lord's work, and then we're going to look to the future and Talk about what it looks like to be faithful 
because of the Lord's faithfulness to us. So Acts 27, open up your Bibles to Acts 27 if you haven't been there already. A few of the key verses will be up here on the screen. I'm not going to read the entire um, narrative, um, although I'd like to. It's very long, but we have other things to do today. Um, But this is the story of a shipwreck. Paul and it seems like Luke, who is the author of Acts, are on this ship and they are captured. They're in chains and they are being shipped to Rome to face trial. And they're on the ship and a storm comes up. So that's where we're uh, picking up the story. You're going to see this word we. That's what makes uh, commentaries and historians believe that the we means that Luke was a firsthand witness of what we're seeing here. So a really uh, interesting uh, first uh, person witness, eyewitness of this. So first we're going to look at verses 9, 10, 11. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and with much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul had said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. So we have this shipwreck. Paul perceives that there's going to be much loss if they continue on, but the the pilot of the ship decides he's going to continue on. He's not going to listen to Paul. So First question is, why are we talking about a shipwreck at our 10-year anniversary? Um, I am not going to prophesy some doomsday. We're headed towards a Titanic shipwreck. Watch out for icebergs. Nothing like that. The reason we're taking a look at this text is two reasons. Look at the word with me in verse 10. Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss. There are two reasons that he perceives this. And when we look at the word perceive, we should think of two things. The first one is supernatural. God has supernaturally spoken to Paul, and we're about to see that he is going to supernaturally speak to him again. So there is a supernatural element of Paul being able to say the things that he is saying. The second thing we need to think of when we read the word perceive is that Paul had been on lots and lots and lots of ships through lots of storms. He had been arrested before. This is not new to him where maybe it is new to Luke or the other 276 passengers on the ship. So when Paul perceives there's supernatural things, but there's also natural things. As he looks at the storm, he sees, "Uh uh-oh, we are in trouble. And the prisoners say, let's just swim. And he's like, nope, bad idea. We're not going to be able to make it. So Paul perceives through these two different ways. As you read a passage in Acts, a temptation for us is one or the other. To, and this is the, the temptation of the preacher, the reader, the commentary, whoever it is. The temptation is either to overdo it with metaphor and say, we're, it's like we're in a ship. And I don't know who Paul would be and who Luke would be and all that. We're not going to over metamorphize it, but also we could just take it too literally, which is the style of preaching or the style of study that would say, guess what guys, we're building a boat. 
We said we were going to go off on our own from North Liberty, and we're sailing. You didn't know that, but here we go. There's two different ways you can read texts like this, but instead, we need to see some similarities between how the Spirit, in particular, is speaking to Paul and what the Spirit of God wants to do in our church. So that's what we're after here today. To summarize what Paul is saying, God has a plan, but first we have to go through this storm. And it's going to be difficult. And as we can see, some don't want to hear that it will be difficult. The centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear that there were going to be difficulties and loss of life. This is a temptation in leadership. This is a temptation as a just person in the world to not assume that there's going to be hiccups and challenges along the way. And what I've found in my life is that some people are much more aware that there's going to be obstacles than others. I am one of these people that thinks that everything is just going to be great. No hiccups, no obstacles, that it's just going to be a roaring good time for everyone. And then as soon as there's an obstacle, as soon as there's a challenge, I'm like, the world is falling. What is happening? We see some of that going on here. Let's skip ahead a little bit in the narrative to verses 18 through 26. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God had granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But first, we must run aground on some island. This is kind of a good news, bad news situation, right? He's saying we're not going to lose our life, but most of us are going to be injured and we're going to lose our ship. We're not going to get where we're trying to go. He says, we will run aground, but no one will lose their lives. We're going to lose the ship. Most of us are going to be injured. Things are not going to go according to plan. But what does he say in verse 25? I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. We'll go back to this in a little bit. Continue with me ahead in the narrative to verses 33 through 38. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them, all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. Not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. When he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all who broke it, they began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were In all, 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. 
In the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of one of the hardest things that these prisoners, Centurion, Pilate, one of the hardest things they've ever been through, let's look at what Paul is doing. In the midst of tragedy, Paul, number one, worships. It says he breaks bread and gives thanks. That's worship language. He is worshiping God. He's giving thanks for the food. He is worshiping God throughout this storm, throughout this tragedy. Next, he shows hospitality on the boat. He gives thanks. He breaks bread. He encourages others to eat so they can be nourished. This is the definition of hospitality. Quick note, as we go through Acts over the next four weeks and as we begin in Mark, something that I would like you guys to highlight, underline, circle as we go through Acts the next four weeks and then Mark through the whole uh, school year is hospitality. It's going to be a key component of this church spreading in Acts and it's going to be a key component of what Jesus does and what Jesus says. And we see it here even in the middle of a storm. And then lastly, he serves others. He meets their physical needs. Once again, as we go through Acts and as we go through Mark, look at how people's physical needs are met by Jesus, the apostles, the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that theme as we go throughout. I want to take a moment and acknowledge the music downstairs. I'm not the only one, right? Okay, good. There are brothers and sisters in Christ, most of them from the Congo, that are worshiping downstairs right now. And it's beautiful. Um, And we're so thankful for them. Their church is growing. They're looking for a building because God has been good to them. There are now five Congolese congregations that meet in the Iowa City area. And they're looking to buy a building and maybe make one bigger church. And God is just really blessing them. And there are more Congolese refugees in Iowa than in any other state in the Midwest. So praise God. Praise God that they are singing praises to God in a language we cannot understand, but God can. I want to take a minute and pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, you inhabit the praises of your people. And you are calling some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world that we have never met. Thank you that we have the privilege of worshiping in this space at the same time. As our friends, we pray that you would be honored, you would be praised, that disciples would be made, that people would come to faith through their praise and worship. Thank you for their hospitality, having us in the building with them at the same time this morning without even batting an eye. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue on in our narrative. Verse 40 through 44. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was broken up to the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. 
he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make it for the land and the rest on planks or on the pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. End quote. Just as the Lord said it would happen. Just as he had prophesied through Paul. Paul's faithfulness and worship of God led to the saving of many lives. Paul believed God because of God's faithfulness, his past mercy, his future providence, and today what he had for them. He trusted God for the past, present, and future. There is much much instructive about this text. And in a normal sermon on a normal day, we would continue to draw that out. But we are going to hop right ahead to application for us here at Grace Downtown. What is God calling us to do? First, we're going to start with Thanksgiving. The first thing that he wants us to do as we begin our 11th year of ministry, as we celebrate 10 years, is to be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. Our reception last night was a time of worship. It was a time of coming together. It was a time of being the church together. And there were people from different eras of Grace Downtown. I had a hard time remembering who knows who and who doesn't know other people, but I was just overwhelmed with the incredible people that have been a part of Grace Downtown and are a part of it now. And Lord willing, we'll be a part of it in the future. We have so much to be thankful for. You don't plant a church because you're bored and it sounds like a good time. You don't happen across Iowa City and just move here out of curiosity. You don't move out of Iowa City just for no reason. There are waves along the way and much to be thankful for. A few of the things that we have survived, church planting is a little bit survival. It's a little bit planning and a little bit survival. Here's a few of the things we have overcome by the grace of God. Bats. (laughs) We have been in two buildings and had two bat dives in the middle of the sermon where a bat flew down over my head and over the crowd. How do you come back from that? The very first service, Pastor Brooks uh, Simpson preached, and we were about ready to start the service, and the very last thing was, oh no, Brooks needs a microphone. So we put the microphone on him, opened up this little pack where the batteries go, no batteries. So I took off, this is a few minutes before our first service started, and ran down to Casey's and bought batteries. And the Lord said, this is church planting, buddy. Is this what you want to do? In our first building, God provided for us in gracious ways just down the street. You remember all those weird podiums and lecterns on the stage? We had to balance our soundboard on a bench for an organ. There was barely places to stand behind. You had to preach down on the floor. We have survived through building insecurity. We lived year after year not knowing if it was our last year here at Old Brick. And real estate in downtown Iowa City, crazy expensive. But God has kept us here. God has paved a way. God has 
had favor on us with the building owners that own this building. In our first seven years at Grace Downtown, we did not have a pastor focused on downtown 100% of the time. In the first seven years, me, Dan, Steve, we were all playing dual roles, some downtown, some in North Liberty, and it wasn't until we went through our reorganization during COVID and Steve moved to North Liberty and I was named staff pastor downtown that we have had a pastor focus 100% of the time on downtown. If you were here from the beginning, that first year of Grace Downtown, could you stand? Let's give a hand to these crazy, crazy people. Stay, stay standing. They're, they're going to hate this, but they're going to stay standing. First, I want to point out God's faithfulness. These people have made sacrifices for years. They made many, many sacrifices from the beginning to make this church start and continue. And so first, the Lord has been faithful with great people like this to be a part of things at Grace Downtown. The second thing I want to point out is how many people have moved away. If you saw that picture of the first service at Old Brick, that sanctuary was packed. And the majority of those people, as you've seen, have moved away. You guys can be seated. Thank you for letting me embarrass you. The fact that people have moved away, we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. The fact that so many people have moved away is our greatest achievement in many ways because we have sent them out. And I think we have sent most of them out very well. But it is also the ding dang hardest thing about being here. It's just a series of saying goodbye over and over and over again. We have faced challenges, but the Lord has been faithful. As all of you know by now, we've started talking this summer about going out on our own as a church. And let me tell you, there will be challenges ahead. But to this point, Grace Downtown has not been about a logo. It has not been about a brand. It has not been about who the pastor is or how great the sermon is or how great the lights and smoke and music are. It's been about the people. It's been God's people depending on him and seeing their need of good news, sharing that good news with one another, and then taking that good news out into a world that desperately needs good news. That's what Grace Downtown has always been about. It's about people leaning into their union with Christ and letting all of who he is overflow out of their lives. That's what Grace Downtown has been about, and that's what it needs to continue to be about moving forward. Grace Downtown has been countless individuals making significant sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. It's been people moving away and being part of new church plants and new biblical community all over the world. Grace Downtown is Marissa Yorgi leaving to go so far away that it is a 20-hour flight to get where she is, leaving her parents, leaving her church to go and serve the Lord. It's Tiffany Lim Barbone explaining communion to a first-time visitor in that woman's native language and missing taking communion for herself. It's Grant Baker missing the entire service because he's explaining the new covenant to someone who wandered in off the street. 
It's Tabitha praying over every chair before the service starts. It's community group leaders keeping me aware of a crisis in their community group, but then saying, we got it, we just wanted you to know. It's multiple members of the downtown congregation having chronic illnesses that are so bad they can barely walk up the stairs and they don't just come, they serve. It's the homeless coming in and leaving with food or money every single time because of you. It's my kids being loved on by the adults in this church. It's Ryan Simpson being on the setup team for 10 years. He took a break when his kid was born. Jody probably had to make him, but he took a break when his kid was born and I come back from sabbatical and my first Sunday he's doing setup again, already back. Grace downtown is Hannah Waymiller coming back from a summer internship and saying, I had a good summer, but I missed my family. And she was talking about you. It's Daniel and Olivia telling me when I got back from sabbatical that they needed four hours to meet with me to ask me about my sabbatical. They didn't get that, but they asked. It's Wyatt starting a prayer group while I was gone. It's Bo rethinking his career so he can stay in Iowa City. It's Joe and Shirley and Jeff and Marilyn saying, I'm gonna be a part of this church from the beginning, even though we are the only ones in our age demographic. It's the flock, you shepherding one another. It's coming to church ready to worship. It's coming to the sermon with your Bibles and your notes open. This is Grace Downtown, and we have seen his faithfulness. Let's take a look at our present. Currently, we need to depend on the Lord. We need to depend on the Lord. We often say here that we don't want to just be a group of people that comes into the same building once a week, but we want to really be the church. Let me tell you that that is the hard road due to a number of factors that I don't have time to get into, but I'll point to one. COVID was really a tipping point for this happening in our culture, where the easiest thing to do is to stay at home and watch church on YouTube. And every church in America put their whole service on YouTube and many of them kept it there. And so now thousands and thousands of Americans are staying home and watching church and saying they belong to a church. Coming together as a church family and doing what God has asked us to do is the hard countercultural thing. So we need to depend on the Lord. People are not moving to Iowa City looking for a church. Students are not moving to Iowa City looking for a church. We need to depend on the Lord to do the work. Whatever we're going to do in the future, it's going to be hard. It's going to be costly. There will be obstacles along the way. We have to depend on the spirit of God. Because I believe that he wants to do supernatural things in us and through us. And in this community. Because he said he wants that. If his spirit lives inside of us, we are a walking, talking, miracle waiting to happen. 
So if the spirit of God is in you, he wants to do something miraculously through you. But let's be warned that if we do it in our own strength, we will run aground. We will shipwreck. We will either go about doing what we feel like we should do or what comes easiest to us, and we will either shipwreck this thing in year one, or even worse, we will succeed at the wrong things. We must depend on the Spirit to do the work. Lastly, our call for the future is to faithfulness. We can count on the faithfulness of God, but he's asking us, will we be faithful with what he has put in front of us? All over America, small community churches are really struggling That's for a lot of complex reasons. Some of them religious, some of them not. Some of them are economical. There's big things at play when it comes to why small communities are struggling, why small churches are struggling. They're struggling just to keep their doors open. We live in Iowa City. And though students and individuals are not coming here looking for a church or a student ministry, they are coming here. If you don't believe me, go stand on this street in a couple of weeks and see everyone flooding in. In two weeks, we're not going to be able to go down the street at all because it's going to be full of students filling their dorm room with all the junk they bought at Target. People are constantly moving in. International students started moving in today. They move in all this week. Then undergrads come in and they move the next week. Post-grad students have been here for weeks already. People are just week after week after week moving to Iowa City. What an opportunity we have. And not only people from America, 100 plus countries every single year where students are coming here. And yes, we're going to have a whole sermon on reaching the nations in two weeks. But the best way we can reach the nations is reach the 107 that sent students here this year. We have an opportunity in front of us. We have people moving to our community all the time. Here in this area, we have a large Congolese population. Not all of them are connected to church. We have a growing Mexican population. We have a very large Sudanese population. And after the service last week, a Ukrainian refugee pulled me aside and I wasn't able to participate in the mixer. The nations are coming to us. God is asking us, will we be faithful with what he has given us? He has also given us an incredible church full of people that love Jesus. And he's saying, will we steward that well? Will we take that good news that we're so so good at sharing with one another? Will we take it outside the walls here? And will we have a plan? Will we have a plan for sharing the good news? Ragbri just went through Coralville. I don't know if you noticed. If you're in town, you did. Uh, they, the main hub of campground was right in my neighborhood. So we noticed. We had to plan our entire week around it, those two days when they were here. Uh, Ragbri folks coming all through. 40,000 40, riders came into Coralville uh, all at once, and they left all at once. Logistical nightmare. It brings millions literally into Coralville, but it is a logistical 
nightmare. They had to close streets. They had to do, set up campgrounds all over town. It was a total mess in my neighborhood in Coralville. They also had to pave the Clear Creek Trail so it would connect to Oxford. They literally paved a trail over the course of the last year. So the bikers could come into Oxford, could come all the way down the Clear Creek Trail without having to go down the Coralville Strip. Our community was planning on that for a whole year because so many people were flooding into town. If people are not moving here to find a church or a student ministry, and they're just coming here to do whatever, study or teach or work or whatever it may be, we have a responsibility to take the good news to them. We can't wait for them to walk in the doors. We have to take it to them. Will we be faithful with what God has called us to do? Each week over the next four, I'm going to lay out a little bit more of the vision that God has called us to as a church. But some very, I'm going to give you more details each week. So if you're like, ah, I want more details, they'll be back. The next three weeks, we're going to expound on this. But here is our vision moving forward. It is not rocket science. We did not wordsmith this. We're trying to keep it super simple here. This is what we want to see. If we are faithful, I think this is what it will look like. Leaders who are an example of good news. Starting first with the the elders of this church, the elders in training, the men and women that are leading in this church in a variety of capacities that the leaders of this church are setting an example of being good news people. Seems simple enough, the Bible commands it, but it doesn't always happen. So we're going to start there. Next, disciples who are growing as they follow Jesus. Again, not rocket science, but it's important to clarify. That's what we're after. A disciple is someone who grows more like Jesus, who follows Jesus, who knows the good news. And then the, the disciples who are sharing the good news with one another and with people who don't know Jesus. If we're faithful, this is what it's going to look like. I don't know how many people are going to go here. I don't know what building we'll be in. I don't know what we're going to call ourselves, but we're going to do that. That's what we want to be about. So how are we going to get there? Again, keeping it very simple. We are going to worship God in rooms big and small. That means that we're going to worship him in our homes. We're going to worship him in other people's homes, and we're going to worship him here. We're going to worship God. We're going to train disciples for their next step, their next step towards Jesus, their next stage in life. We're going to make sure we have a plan for helping people grow in Jesus. And then we're going to share the good news in practice with all of Iowa City. Not just people looking for a church. Not just people that look like me or look like you or whoever. We're going to take the good news to everyone. Not just students. Not just townies. Everyone. This is what God has called us to. This is what he wants us to be about. I know you want more specifics. It's coming. This is where we're headed the next three weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about who is Iowa City. Brooke stood up here at the members meeting and told you that we are going to break off into independent churches so we can reach more people. And the elders have become convinced over the years that Grace Downtown can reach more people by being off on their own. So who are our people? Who are we trying to reach uniquely that maybe a church in North Liberty or Amana or Tiffin isn't reaching? That's what we're going to talk about next week. Who is our people group? Then we're going to talk about what it means to see some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people come to faith. And then the last one, we're going to talk about what it means to be planted. There's a double meaning there. We're going to talk about what are we going to do for the people that live here 
long-term because some of us stay. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, A lot of people move away, but some of us have been here for a long time, as you saw today. What are we going to do for the people that are planted here and don't know when they're leaving? Um, Even if they're trying to get out, they don't know when they're leaving. We're going to talk about what do we do for the people that are planted here. We're also going to lay out some benchmarks that we need to see happen before we can be planted as a church. That's where we're headed. So what can we do? First, we can thank God for all he has done. Today's about him. Last night was about him. Moving forward, it's about him. It's not about patting ourselves on the back, but it's about thanking God for all he has done. Take a minute. Think of his faithfulness. Think of his faithfulness to you. Think of all the things you've been worried about that he's just taken care of. Think about all the times where you felt like there was going to be much loss of life. Think about the times when you felt like your faith was shipwrecked. Think about the times when you thought your sin was too great. Think about the times when you thought the cross was too obscured to see the good news. He has been faithful. Next, we need to trust and obey. Trust and obey. This means that we trust him for the future, that he has a plan for us, and then we obey him with what he tells us to do. Simply trusting and obeying. We sing the song. We sing it to our kids. Tabitha leads us in it as we sing as a congregation. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than trust and obey. May seem like antiquated or a kid's song to you, but that's where it's at. The only way to be happy in Jesus, to really see the fullness of the good news for us is to trust in him and obey what he asks us to do. That's what we're going to do as individuals and as a church moving forward. Next, we need to prepare ourselves for the future. Coralville put in all that bicycle path, prepared all that time for 40,000 people moving in. We need to prepare ourselves for what God has for us. We need to prepare individually. We need to say what in me needs to happen to see the good news go forward in my life and those that I'm sharing Christ with. What does it look like for me to move forward? I was challenged this week in my own quiet time with the question, what needs to die in me so the spirit can live through me? It's a good individual question to think through. What needs to die in me so the spirit can live through me? Corporately, we need to prepare ourselves for the people that are coming here that are in desperate need of the good news. There's three groups of people represented in this church and in our community. First, the planted people, the people that live here three or more years. So even if you move to town and you know when you're leaving, if you're here more than three years, I feel like you're, you're planted. This is your church. You're going to be here a while. Next, the group of people is the goers, the people, the countless people that we meet here in our community that say, hi, my name is Jim and I'm leaving in two years. I mean, maybe it's cynical, but I've even just started asking people when I meet them, how long are you here? (laughs) When are you leaving? Should we become friends or are you just going to move away? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And then we have comers, people that are going to come that aren't here yet. We have made many mistakes at Grace Downtown, but I think this is the biggest one. 
I think we have failed to see that we have three different groups of people in our church and we have three different groups of people in our community and we need to minister to them differently. If you have been here 10 years and you have umpteen children, or if you just moved here as a freshman in college, you might need something different from the church. We need to make sure we're doing that in a nuanced way. That's how we need to prepare ourselves for the future. And lastly, we need to pray like crazy because we're about to try to do something supernatural. Sometimes it's just a supernatural act that we don't shipwreck our own faith. It's a supernatural act when human beings don't shipwreck a church. It's a supernatural act when we believe the good news or when anyone else believes the good news. So we have to pray. Every human part of me now wants to reveal a logo or a name for a new church. Some obscure Hebrew name that means like breath of God or something and we can all get tattooed on our forearm. Every human part of me wants to do that. Every human part of me wants to know exactly how this is gonna go. Exactly how we can move forward. Exactly when we can be our own church. If Sunday mornings are going to work out, where are we going to be for our location? What does the future hold? I want to know the plan. But two things. First, it can't be my plan and it can't be your plan. It needs to be a supernatural plan. So we need to strike this balance of trust and obey. And that's what we're trying to do as a church is how do we trust, but how do we also obey God with what he has given us? How do we walk in faith and how do we obey him and, and look at our data and see what's going on in the church? It's a constant balance. The other reason that we're not gonna lay out a logo or a brand or anything like that for you, first, it hasn't been done, but the second reason is because it's not about that. It hasn't been about that. It's not gonna be about that. You're here today because of God's work in you. And that's how we're going to move forward as a church. It's depending on God one day at a time and him doing a supernatural work in us and through us as his good news people. If you are in Christ, your life is wholly, fully bound to him. And that means the spirit of the living God is doing a renewing, resurrecting, powerful work in you today. As we lean into that, as we remember that because of him, all is ours, we can move forward as his good news people. Yet not I, yet not us, yet not a brand or a logo, but Christ in me. It's been great to worship with you all today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In his name we pray because he is worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in grace. We'll see you soon.